you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on Stitcher, iTunes, and NFL.com/shek. All right, this is going to be good um, because we have one of our favorite uh, personnel guys, scout-type guys, you know. Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks and company are now underway with Path to the Draft on NFL Network. And with this fella coming up uh, in just a couple minutes here in Studio 66, it will be the great Bucky Brooks. He's back from Indianapolis with some thoughts from uh, this latest combine. And let's get into... Once and for all, let's. I'm sure Bucky's going to agree with me. He has his new mock draft out up, so I already know he agrees with me. You can look for that at NFL.com, his uh, his new draft 3.0, or is it? No, it's 2.0. Bucky's uh, latest 2.0, his mock draft. I don't know when we started with the point oh. Does anybody do ever do a half of a mock draft? I'm not sure. Oh, they, um, yeah, they definitely do. They it's do? People do have It's usually like the last like version like on draft night. And so is it 2.5? 7.2. Is that like, true? Yeah. Oh, I'm just saying. I, was, uh, I didn't realize that that ever happened. But, that totally uh, happens. But so be I'm it. I'm all about the mock drafts. Um, thank you for that uh, bit of information, black tie behind the glass. But first, let's say hello to the man seated to my immediate left all the way from London, England. Here he is, our resident Miami Dolphins fan. It's Handsome Hank. He's handsome, he's handsome, he's handsome. Hello, handsome. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you, Dave. 
Black well, Guy just lied to you. That's ne- We've never on NFL.com ever had a point anything of a mock draft. It's one, two. And I, that's why I bl- I'm with you. I don't know where the point oh comes from, the 2.0. I think it's a... Tech- Isn't that your decision? Well, yeah, it's a technology thing. It's like, you know, here, like the, I don't know, the iPhone 5. Why? Is it 0. supposed 0. to seem like a computer wrote it? No, of course it's not. 2.0. Well, I don't understand this uh, this bag of lies that are being thrown at me. I don't know lie. what the two, I, I don't know what the point oh things about. That seems too when, fancy. When have you and what's your bald face lie, Black? Well, what the, not, what do you get out of that? NFL.com does that, but there are sites that do just that. I've never day. ever seen. So it's it. like it's if things change like ten minutes before the draft. Chad Ford puts out his 7.1 NBA model. I would like Black Tie for you to issue a formal apology because that's the way of 2015. You know, I always talk about the residents of Mount Pius getting up there and looking down at the rest of us, uh, of us mere mortals as they cast their judgments on us. And really, it's gotten worse than ever. I can't believe it's not, it's not improving that people aren't realizing social media and otherwise has gotten out of hand. And people need to rein it in with the with the pious judgments about other people in the world. But like I say, 2015, we're not even through February, and there have been more formal, scripted apologies than I can ever remember in a calendar year. A-Rod's done it. Tom Brady and Belichick kind of did it. Juliana Rancic kind of. She did it because she made some off-color remarks about I don't even remember who at the Oscars. Sean Penn is now now owes people an apology, apparently, for making a lame joke at the end of the Oscars. Robert Kraft has demanded the NFL apologize to him if things go a certain way. It goes on and on. You know, oh, Brian Williams Brian made Williams. a formal apology. Yeah. I think it would, it's best for all of us to just write. Get one out the way. Have it ready to go so you know, so you know what it is. You know, I've... I let down. Um, Maybe we could do an elimination chamber of the person most likely to have to <laughs> give a formal apology of like you, oh, me, and Black Tie. All right. Well, <laughs> I like it. Go ahead. Let's do it. Just so, just a three-man it's elimination. Three-person elimination. Throw chamber. us into the elimination chamber. Elimination chamber. You guys are totally hijacking this, by the way. You can't just make oh, sorry, people. Oh, sorry. Sorry, it's your thing. All right, do you want to put a fourth one into the elimination chamber? Uh, ooh, tough But if it's called the elimination chamber, what we're what we're assessing is who is most likely to have to apologize. Yeah, at I some point, it's very backwards. Uh, no, yeah, let's stop. All right, we'll do. Okay, yeah. That's, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> Black tie. What? Please, please, handsome. Don't ruin the integrity of Come Black Tie. I'm already in the elimination <laughs> chamber. Someone let me out. Idea. <laughs> All right, Black Tie, we've gotten into it. If you want to hit us with an elimination chamber, may as well get to it. Elimination chamber. All right, Now, guys. please, this, let, let the professional Sorry. show you how it's done. Show you how it's done. These guys actually recently eliminated from the NFL teams. All right? Recently released players. Okay. So, eliminate one. Reggie Bush, Jacoby Jones, DDF, DDFP's own A.J. Hawk, and Chargers linebacker Jared Johnson. Eliminate one of them. Yes. What do you mean? In a good way or bad way? It's never no, a good we, way. This is, this is where we've started. <laughs> I know, but what am I choosing? Do I want one of these guys on my team? Well, I mean, no? I'm assuming these guys are going to find jobs next year. Well, not Some Jared Johnson bench. since he retired. He retired, right. I don't, you, oh, he's the one who retired? <laughs> yeah, oh, he retired. I was looking for a fourth guy. Why don't I'll I just go, go Peyton Hillis. I could go in there if you want me to. Peyton Hillis. <laughs> Peyton Hillis is another guy. All right, Peyton Hillis is he's who eliminated. I'll eliminate. <laughs> I'm eliminating Peyton Hillis. 
That's I cool. only just remember right. that he was still in the NFL when he was released I just do by this. the Giants. Uh, Matthias Kiwanuka, Giants, the end. Eliminate one, Jacoby yeah. Jones. That's a that's a more reasonable, Jacoby Jones. I mean, yeah. although you know he obviously has skill in the return game, and so if you feel you're lackluster in that particular department, Jacoby might fill it for you. But yeah, you get to the main. Well, I'll let Handsome answer first. Go ahead. I think I agree with you. I think Jacoby Jones is the one least likely to find work sooner soonest. As a side I think note, all of though, them will, all of them will be playing in the NFL again next year. But I think he'll he'll find a job last of the four of them. Well, it is, a, like I say, a particular skill that, right. he, that he that he has. Um, you know, about A.J. Hawk, though, I kibitzed with him, or should I say Hawk? We, chan- we dropped the A.J. to make him cooler, and I think this in his next stop in the NFL will not be even better if he's just Hawk. Um, I did kibitz with him on the uh, text message yesterday when he was released, and what a what a what a man! Go li- dig up the Hawk cast. Listen, that's how a man handles his business. This isn't thrilling news. He's been it's the only professional team he's ever known, and it's one of the more iconic franchises. Obviously, he won a Super Bowl ring up there just as recently as a year or two ago. Could have really been a Pro Bowler, and then in uh, 2014 found himself, you know, spending less time on the field and more on the sidelines as they sort of transition there with that defense. But Hawk, I mean, what the, what is what's his what's his uh, response to it? He go he goes out and he puts out a new podcast with his brother. I encourage you, Nate, demand you go dig it up. He just all he has to say is great things about how much he loves the Packers. He's a classy guy. He He's is a classy, classy guy. guy. What a what a great what fella. What's he gonna do? And I did say definitely, definitely uh, gonna continue playing. You don't want to just hang it up and uh, be a full time Dave Damashek football program. Um, you know. Cast member is that what right. we call ourselves? Cast member. I don't know, but it sounds like if he was, if he was to accept that, you would be elbowing me out in the same way that a younger, better person elbowed him out of his position. And I would go on my podcast, which doesn't exist yet, and I would not handle it well at all. No, you Wouldn't earn your keep, and here's why: because just yesterday, after we talked on the first podcast of the week, we're going to Chicago for the draft, and it's coming quickly. We need reservations at some of the more delectable restaurants, and there are many up in Chicago. I get an email from Handsome Hank confirming that we already booked it. Delicious Gibson Steakhouse for a delicious gigantic Table for two. gigantic slab of meat. But it could be Hawk. Hawk could be oh, with well, us. It's, actually, it's a table for four. Oh, all right. So but we I didn't want to say that when Black Tie was listening in case he invited <laughs> himself or assumed he was coming. So, so, yeah, so we're not going happening. to Gibson's, though, right, no, no, Handsome? No, no, that's not happening. I couldn't get a reservation. Elimination chamber. <laughs> <laughs> People that we might, uh, we might invite to, to Gibson's with us. This will be uncomfortable. <laughs> this one's going to hurt a little bit. Well, I want to know. All right. Chris Wesley. There's only Greg one Wilson person. Thaw. No, there's only one Dan person in the elimination chamber. Mark Sessler, who's not getting an invite. <laughs> eliminate one. Any of them. Well, wait a second. Yeah, there are four of them. So that would be two of them would have to get eliminated from the Around the NFL uh, podcast. I'll but, eliminate all four right now. <laughs> but for the record, uh, Hawk, uh, we wish him well. And he is going to Ireland before free agency begins. Otherwise, he would join us well, on the show. But well, he's down to join that's us. That's excuses, Dave. You had to lock that interview in. That was, you know, we text back and forth. I'm like, what should he do? Should he do get... it from 30,000 feet in the sky? Is he physically on the plane right now? I don't know what he's doing. It's not. He's not my. It's not. Uh, he doesn't have to answer my questions. You know that could have been a nice exclusive. He said he wanted to do it. He wants to. It. He's happy to do we it. And I'm going to go on the Hawkcast. Down the line, that's not going to work. 
All right. I'm sorry. It's not. Uh, it won't be we timely got, enough. We got the today, sorry, the producer the didn't book that for <laughs> you. Know, you. Why is it on me to fast, book the interview the anyway? Right. I'll get it done. Oh, will you? Yeah. All right. I, that, that was where I went wrong. Typical I, black I guy always well, getting this stuff Giving done. me the business about <laughs> it. Um, so, wait. So, what was I going to ask you about there, uh, there Handsome? We've got, uh, we've got uh, Bucky Brooks coming up with the, uh, with the latest mock draft here in just a second. There's all sorts of speculation. You know, there's Adrian Peterson news. I don't know exactly where that stands. It would appear, based on what uh, some of the NFL media guys are reporting it sounds like the NFL might appeal his eligibility. There's uh, some people out there I've heard in uh, sports media already and incorrectly saying, well, anybody can have Adrian Peterson now. He's eligible to play. No, uh-huh. he's the Vikings property. And the Vikings, Right. The Vikings would have to trade him in order for him to, to go elsewhere, and it is not a given that he is going to be available come, what, April 1? Is that when he can be dealt? Uh, no, it would be the end of the league year, so March 10th. So, Oh, okay. So, yeah, but uh, that's not uh, definite because if the league does, in fact, appeal that, we don't know. And, you know, I don't, I, I'm not getting into the morality of any of it at this point. That's six months in the rearview mirror for me. And then there's all the, the, there are all these whispers now about, about Des Bryant and all that stuff. Let's talk about a guy who you care about, Mike Wallace. Handsome Hank. The word is that they're trying to deal him, that they don't want him one way or the other. How say you on this? I think whenever whenever a rumor gets out that a team's trying to trade someone, there, there's two things that happen. First of all, it probably nine times out of ten, it means that they're actually going to release him in the end anyway. And because the other 31 teams in the NFL are smart enough to know that, they're like, no, it's all right. We won't give you anything. We'll just wait until you release him anyway, and then we'll sign him. And I feel like that's the way it's going to go. I think the Dolphins, if they are even half thinking about this, won't be expecting they can get much more than probably a fourth, maybe fifth rounder for Mike Wallace at this stage. And the other team's going to take on his pretty large contract. Chances are that if the Dolphins really don't want him, they're going to they're going to cut him. I suspect that, yeah, that he I has d- played I, his last game right. for the Dolphins. It tends to be when trades happen, they're never expected. It's never like... They don't put it out to the media that, hey, we're trying to trade this guy. It always, a trade like that Percy Harvin one just comes and you're like, wow, that that happened. You can't remember the last time a trade was, you know, done very publicly. And normally it means that guy's not going to be on the on the roster. Well, yeah, I think that that's true. It just wasn't a great fit. And it, uh, and it also goes into the already gigantic pile of evidence that you should not sign either a Patriot or a Steeler. That just doesn't work out. Those are the two franchises that when they leave there and move elsewhere, generally speaking, it doesn't work out. Alan Fanica went and played well for the Jets. Mike Vrabel, interestingly, went and played from Pittsburgh and then, you know, caught those passes and became well-known if for nothing else than for doing that. I mean, there are a couple of examples out there. Hardy Nickerson long ago was good, went to the Buccaneers and played well after Pittsburgh. But for the most part, when you leave those, either of those places, you're doomed. You don't Neil O'Donnell. It's kind of the Neil O'Donnell rule. Joey Porter did pretty well with the Dolphins when he left the Steelers for a while. (laughs) I thought you were, I didn't know if you were being serious. No, I wasn't. I was being serious for, for the first year, two years he was there. He actually contributed something, but I, I, I agree with you. Um, that said, I think my, I'm not sure that Mike Wallace's career is doomed. I just don't think it worked out very well in Miami. No, I mean he, you know, the 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 knock on him is that he, 
I, the thing I think is inaccurate about him is that he can't go over the middle. Right. He he will do that, and he's capable in that regard. The thing he doesn't do as a deep threat, as that I've always said, is he's not a legit number one because he has no go up and get it downfield. Right. Like Brandon Marshall, Calvin Johnson, even Antonio Brown, those guys can make a play on a ball thrown up the sideline over a defender, and Mike Wallace just seems to have none right. of that his particular trick, brand of athleticism. Is he is faster than the guy opposite right. him. But if the guy opposite jams him or whatever else, then he's not faster than that guy. He's at the same speed, and like you say, he's not going to go up there and get the ball for you. I think a team like the Chiefs, if he does come available, I think Mike Wallace would be a great one. You know, I assume Dwayne Bowe is going to be gone from KC, and I think that Mike Wallace would be a nice upgrade there. And then if they go and get a receiver on top of it with Travis Kelsey already in tow, suddenly a team like that becomes much more interesting in the AFC West. And the Peyton Manning thing continues to get heat. What's the story here? I continue to to believe that I think John Elway thinks he's going to fail that physical. I know they want him to take less money, but that's why this – well, we we want him back, and the Peyton says, I'm ready to come back, and yet it hasn't been solidified just yet. I think that Elway is looking for a reason to not have to pay Elway $19 million. Simple as that. Yeah, and I pay, pay Manning. And then, and then what I say, Elway? Oh, the other thing, you know, Ian Rappaport um, reported yesterday that they now it seems like Peyton maybe is open to, to taking some kind of a pay cut uh, to go back to Denver. So Interesting. We'll see how that goes. I think, that, I think that's the strongest sign, though, to me that, that if he is willing to, t- to, you know, that that again, if the information's out there, there's something definitely going on. That's because someone wants everyone to know that that's the case, which makes it sound to me like Peyton will come back, provided, of course, he does pass that physical. One thing, uh, Black Tie, that I thought of that we got a great tweet, and I should honor that person for the great idea, is uh, when A.J. Hawk, or should I say Hawk, was released by the Packers on uh, on Wednesday, somebody dropped a line and said, since he is clearly the greatest football-playing guest in uh, in Dave Damashek football program history, every year we give out the Shecky Award to the play uh, that we do for a wide range of categories, one of which is best football-playing guest that uh, was a guest on our show in that year. A.J. Hawk has dominated that category. He's always a nominee in it. We should rename it the Hawk Award, that, and I, uh, I'm all for it. That listener is at Marco Smithers, I think is his name. Don't you think that's a great idea? Great idea. It's a good it idea. Just should be I the Hawk. If, the question if, is, if is it the Hawk or is AJ Hawk? Take that. And well, I, you have a pretty good relationship. My advice to you, at least, would be you have a pretty good relationship with you know three or four of these guys: Ike, Steve Smith, Hawk, all these guys. Do you really want to put all your eggs in that basket and risk potentially upsetting? You know, if any of them have your type of sensibility, they're not going to take that well at all. That's true. Yeah, if they're, if they're delicate like they're me, delicate is what you're like getting you, at. Thin-skinned, they, that won't. It's but it's a cool-looking trophy that right. doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just a big hawk, you that know, a big cool. gold hawk that would be, be cool. neat. Plus, I kind of feel like Ike would come on the podcast the day after such big news. I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. just saying. <laughs> so wait, Ike, you think would come on? So you think I should do it because it will create heat? And no, Ike will come no, on Ike if would... Ike retired, and who knows that could uh, be that we could be you know close yeah. to that or, or gets released. He I would feel come like, on the show I think the Black Tie saying I could be here. He'd... All right, Bucky's there, and we'll uh, we'll talk to him about this in just a second. You know, here's the thing about Adrian Peterson, and you know Marshawn Lynch, and he hasn't signed a deal, but the word is that the 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 Seahawks have offered him. I think 
11 million or is it 10 million this year and then a second year for 12 whatever it is you know for me and DeMarco Murray and the speculation about the Cowboys are they going to bring him back after all those carries in 2014 you know we always hear about QBs and that you know, you get a savings by playing a rookie QB a QB in his rookie deal I think the real thing is and I want to get Bucky's thoughts on this I think these I think doing that with not overpaying for for proven running backs is the mistake. I think you let those guys go as cruel right. as it is. I think what you do is what you want is athleticism at the position back there. You you can give up. All right, he's proven it. He ran for 1600 yards and uh, and 15 touchdowns. How can we let him go? Well, we'll get a nice fresh okay, no, running back. And that, and I don't think you can play that same game with QBs as successfully. No, not at all, but I think that does speak to um you know a lot of people think that the running back is undervalued and that's like that's been the what three years worth of kind of that discussion? I think we've seen from the the Super Bowl champions the last couple of years that no running backs aren't undervalued, but a gu- you need to have you need to be able to bring in those fresh legs all the time. So exactly what you said, you can't av- running backs aren't going to get that big second contract. They say in the NFL your big contract, forget about the first one. If you're drafting the first round, you, you know it's all slotted. You're going to get mm-hmm. what last year's guy got plus X percent more. The second contract is the one you want, and running backs probably aren't going to get those big second. It is the gathering storm, though, or, or maybe it is what Daniel Jeremiah says. I, you know, he I legitimately says, "Hey, if I, if you're a great athlete and you're 16 or 17, and you're uh, a terrific running back, play. If you're big enough, play linebacker or play corner or something like that. There's more loot in that for you right. than than there is running back. And it does say, like, yeah, it does. It does, what, what you're suggesting is exactly right. That. Yeah, what's what what where's the huge payoff for the for the running back position? The glamour spot of the NFL not uh, 25 years ago more significant than QBs. All right, handsome Hank, I'll see you at Whoa. Hold on. All right, before Bucky comes in. Oh, Bucky. Bucky's waiting out there. Before he gets here, real quick, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's a llama on the loose in Arizona. A couple llamas, apparently, just on the loose. It's over. It's over. But, yes, it was exhilarating while it lasted. For some reason, they were in residential areas. So let's talk about more residential animals, right? Pets. Okay. Dogs. Cats. Okay. Goldfish. Parrot. Eliminate one. I I I can eliminate three of those. What about a snake or a piglet? We've talked about the, the Dave, we talked about the fad. Spigots. Well, we talked about the fad that was about a decade ago or 15 years ago, where all where women, where where frumpy middle-aged women and George Clooney wanted pigs started getting pigs as pets. You know what the problem? Was? Also, ferrets were had had like a, a, oh. it seems like had about three minutes, which I can't imagine that you would. As soon as you see a ferret, why would you want that? It's right. a it's a it's a a rat that somebody stretched out. It's gross looking. <laughs> You know what? But the piglets thing, you know, it, that that fad lasted like five years. Yeah, and the did. reason was because then they grew into pigs, and then everyone was like, yeah. "Oh my god!" I now <laughs> own a, a like a gigantic pig that wants to eat everything and is disgusting. And people make that joke. I love piglets. People always make the joke that when they grow up, they well then they'll be delicious. But can you imagine actually cooking you up your cook, <laughs> cook your pet? Do you think they do that in places where? Eating dog is an acceptable delicacy. Do you think what once the dog runs uh, runs its course uh, of life? Do you think they say like, well, he would want like yeah. like That's Pinchy the lobster? Would. That's what Misty would want. <laughs> well, it's like it's Pinchy the lobster episode what? in The Simpsons when, yeah, when exactly when Homer eats Pinchy. At the Before end. we eliminate, what's the most ex- exotic animal you've had? Eaten. My um, not just had yeah, in the yeah, house. Yeah, my sister Amy had a uh, gerbil. 
Well, not had, eaten. Eaten. Did oh, that I've eat? eaten. <laughs> Just, you ate your sister's gerbil. So, um, <laughs> the uh, I, 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 it might have been when Handsome and I went uh, on our culinary tour in New York yeah. City. Did we? What did we eat? We ate some. We ate some interesting. I don't know. We there. ate some ground. They wanted whatevers. us to eat a uh, a pig's head. A pig's head that the waiter described as I said. I mean, it's the whole pig head. It's not a gimmick. It's a real. He said, "Oh yeah, the the whole thing." And and it's really interesting to eat because. Each part of the head has a different uh, has a different flavor and a different uh, texture to it. Like uh, like the snout, it really just melts in your mouth. And then I uh, and then I threw up out of my mouth onto the waiter. <laughs> what do I want to eat a pig snout? Because it, it it's gonna it's gonna melt in my mouth. Ugh. No, thank you. Um, I haven't gone that crazy, really. I don't have anything super fun. To in, say. in a French really. supermarket, I I picked up some horse because I mean it's there as like horse. what do you mean horse. It must have been a British uh, supermarket, no, 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 right? That's a good. I get where you're going, but no, no. I'm not. I'm not. In an American store, they were selling whores. No, I said French. Oh, French. I in didn't. A French hear that. in a French supermarket, you can buy like in a British supermarket. I think they once were. There was a scandal about them disguising other meat as like it was actually horse meat, but they said it was lamb or something. But no, in a French supermarket, there's like the horse counter. Just grab yourself really a, horse. a whole thing, a whole different not kinds whole of horses. Horse. Yeah. Here's here's a white horse. Here's yeah. a horse that uh, is white but has brown spots right. on it. Like how how much range can there try, be? I didn't try um, that one. Did you? But you tasted the horse. I tasted the horse. And I barbecued a horse. It was nice. You? I know it wasn't. It wasn't that nice. But I. I was you horse. took it home and put it on the grill. It was was it pink thing. in the middle? It was horse. No, no. I made. I did it. I. I like. I normally like my meat fairly rare, but not. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that horse was. Cooked. What was its flavor? Uh, gamey. Yeah, kind of yeah. tough game. It was. I wouldn't have it again. That horse was. It's. It's. Yeah. I. Not you know. I. I do like deer. I do like no, uh, venison. That tastes good and salty, no, but can well. skew. Can go into some game. You should go to if you want to try a bunch of like weird meats or exotic meats. You should go to like one of those Brazilian steakhouses when they have like exotic nights. They have like the craziest stuff on their menu. Mm-hmm. Nah, Croc- I've had crocodile not- as well. That's not, that's not something on my bucket list that yeah, I have to that I have to try exotic meats. All right, real quick before Buster gets in there. Well, what's your right one. meat? What's a, oh well, we didn't choose an animal. No. So wait, parrot? I wouldn't want a parrot in my house. I would eliminate parrots. I'd eliminate goldfish, <laughs> and I'd eliminate cats. Goldfish is extremely pointless. Goldfish. What's I'm the, not a what's cat the point fan. Of, right, I, I think I think sometimes when you take a step back and you look at where every once in a while you can see you know whether it's a dog or a cat. Forget about the even more exotic ones. When you look, and there's just there's just like a a beast running around in your home. It's weird. Why do why who decided that that was a good idea? What human being first? I mean, I hail. While we talk about eating creatures, that I hail the first person who put an oyster in his mouth. You know, like like hey, look at this weird, gross shelly thing I found in the sea. And like whoa, there's a little. If you hit it just right, you can pop that thing open. Ooh, uh, it's just a big mess. It looks like a looks like a pig snout after it spent a little time in my mouth. It melted or right. something. It just looks like a big mess. I'm gonna eat it. Wh- but what? I bet you. He How was hungry dead. were you that you put that slop no, in your dead. mouth? He was dead. by one of his, one of his Neanderthal friends. Like, go on, Dave, eat it. And he's like, all right, fine, <laughs> I'll do that. But imagine if that guy had got sick from eating oysters. You know how people do, like some, yeah. some, I've some thrown shellfish. on the worst sick of my life right, with a bad shellfish. oyster. If he'd done that, then we would never, because they'd be like, "Whoa, do you hear what happened to Dave? He ate yeah. that 
that <laughs> rock the stone mo- thing. The moment in history. And, right and then he got sick, and no one after that would ever have eaten oysters again. I think we just stumbled into yeah. a great new segment. When Next time we have a player in here, let's reenact great moments in history <laughs> with football How players. How did it happen? Yeah. That's a good idea. That would be really a, a, a fun thing to do. A.J. Hawk and I, like, we're, we're two cavemen. Like, hey, right. you eat it. No, you eat it. And you then try we, it. Try the oyster for the first time. The other thing I've said before too is, all right. So you uh, you you have a desire to eat food. You, you know, see you look on Bucky's face right now. Well, listen. You have you have this. You have a uh, you have a desperate need to fill your belly. So all right. So whether you realize it or not, your instinct is going to be you shove like leaves or whatever to sustain life. And at some point, I, I mean, it is weird. That's a pretty big leap to to be walking on the earth and be like, I'm uh, my stomach is grumbling. I'm gonna take a bite of that beast over there. You right. know, I'm gonna I'm gonna harness it and then I'm gonna kill it and then I'm gonna chew it up. Is a weird thing to that somehow human beings figured out that that would work to well, and then the or any other time, creature. The first really. time that happened, they would have gone, "Whoa, that's disgusting!" And then someone else would have gone, "I'm gonna throw that on the fire. That well, that's awful. Throw it on the fire." And then they're like, mm, "No, well, that's good. you know, that's the critical moment in in mankind's history. I feel is really." And I, I don't think that anybody would be clever enough. Who would think, let's put it over fire? Oh, yeah, that'll cure. They whatever. They, that's not what they I think, I think. I think maybe a cow or a horse or something like that, they were, you know, they were living outside or in a mm-hmm. cave, and the horse was hanging out, and he died, right. and he fell onto the fire. And, and like five minutes lightning. later, they were like, that smells delicious. And that's when they figured out I think cooking. it was struck by lightning. <laughs> there was a cow walking around. It was struck by lightning, burst into flames, and then after a bit, they were like, "Wow, that that's yeah, that smells." We good. should try some other we stuff. Try some, but what else can we burn? But I, who really? Like like the mixing like, wine. Who figured out wine? Who figured that one out? Who figured out that? Who? Cr- let's crush these things up. We'll crush these these round little things up. But if we if we put them in a uh, put them on the side for a little while, then it makes us feel funny in the head. How did that happen? This well, is not something that, I mean, maybe when we bring Bucky in, we'll find out the answer to that. But otherwise, it's something I feel like we should explore in more detail somewhere else. You're right. Maybe you're right. I don't. <laughs> All right. Show yourself the door, handsome Hank. What? I have to you, leave. Well, you didn't eliminate a pet, though. I, oh, I, I, well, you know what? I, I am with, I, the only one I would possibly keep is a dog. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to eliminate the dog from the elimination chamber, leave the other three in the elimination chamber. They're going to eat each other. <laughs> And then we're done. I will say, grim as it is, and people don't like when I share this opinion, but it is my sincere opinion. I find it very strange. In the in a world, you know, human beings, we're not the biggest and strongest, and yet we rule the planet because of our intellect. So, given our intellect and our emotional range, I, you know, we understand that our time intellectually we can grasp not our own mortality but everyone around us we understand everybody else is going to die we have a dif- more difficult time imagining the world without our own uh you know with uh, uh, without ourselves either way you know you're going to suffer and you're going to watch people die and it's grim and it's sad why do we add to that by adding more and uh, you bring in at least in the human experience when you reproduce you understand that you're going to die and that and that your spawn lives on and that's how you perpetuate the ra- the the, uh, the race the the, uh, the 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 species and all that I don't understand the the instinct. Hey, let's bring a creature into the house that we know that we hope dies before any of us but, do. But why do you want to go through that? What do you want to go? What do you want to torment yourself with more death? 
But the answer is that you want to you you're gonna you're making the assumption when you bring it into the house, you know, and it's gonna die in twelve years time. Yeah. That during those twelve years, you're gonna get more joy from it than you'll have to give out sorrow or sadness. Now, every time you play with the dog dies. and he's excited to see and his tail wags and he does something funny and he rolls over and everything, you just think like, not gonna be doing that much Shag, longer. This life is not. <laughs> a, it's, is not you. it's not about. That's just you, Dave. It's not about waiting to die. Right. It's about living life. Yeah, it's about living. I'm L I V I N. What are you talking about? I don't just survive. I live. Handsome knows how I live. Right. But I but I, I don't like looming death. Yeah. The sword of Damashek hanging over our heads. Fair enough. All good right. Luck, goodbye, good handsome man. Good luck in here. <laughs> Let's get to it. Let's get to some hardcore football analysis with the great Bucky Brooks. You listen to Damashek. All right, here he is, everybody, back from his trip last week to Indianapolis for the combine. We always love it when he joins us here in Studio Sixty Six. Maximum strength. He's got his new mock draft. His mock draft 2.0 is up there for your perusal at NFL.com. It's the great Bucky Brooks. What's the poop, fella? What's going on, Sheck? How's everything? Well, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Better, better, I think, than your UNC heels are doing right now. They're gonna, you know, what's going on there? They seem like we're, they've we're, collapsed we're, over the last. We're, month. we're in a slump. We lost. Um, we lost a few. In yeah. Uh, kind of lost our way. Dean Smith passed away, and we kind of went into a tailspin. But we'll come out of it. Did uh, you ever meet him? Hot. Yeah, he was he was a uh, head coach when I was there, so I would see him in the cafeteria every now and then. Did you kibitz with him? Every now and then I talked to Coach Smith. Yeah. yeah but, you know, he's such a revered fella that uh, for me as a kid growing up a Tar Heel fan, it was uh, it's like one of those things where you, you kind of keep it short. I bet, you know, you hear a lot of the stories from the uh, the Heels legends recounting when they met Dean Smith and decided to go to UNC, and they, they've asked him, so what was the recruiting visit like? for you in that room and they said i'm dean smith and uh we'd like to offer you a scholarship yeah, i don't no, i didn't hear anything else after that no, there, there, there's nothing like that growing up in raleigh uh 35 minutes away from chapel hill having watched carolina's basketball like forever uh my dad was a huge Tar Heel fan so uh it was a big deal so when i had a chance to meet coach smith and then meet phil ford and some of the other guys that were around and when i was in school in 93 they won national title beating Michigan, so uh, basketball has always kind of been a... That was the Hoosiers year. That was my Hoosiers year to take the national title. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. If Alan Henderson hadn't if, hurt his knee, if, they would have won the, they won if, the national if crown. If Eric Montrose. Come on, Come on, Buck. Be straight with me. Now, listen. Before we dig into your to your new mock draft, and I want to hear about what you learned at the Combine, last time you were in here, you shared a great anecdote about what it is to be the underdog on the road in the playoffs. You were talking about when you were at the Jags and you went into Denver and knocked off Elway and company. Now do me another favor. As I talk about recruiting visits, I'm intrigued by this lately. What was your recruiting visit like? Who was the coach, first of all, who rec- recruited you to UNC? Mac Brown was the head coach. Ooh. Yeah, so I was in his, yeah. I was in his second recruiting class. Uh, anyone who has ever been around Coach Brown or seen Coach Brown on TV, what you see is what you get. Very personable, uh, very enthusiastic. Um, the guys class all the way. This was at your house. This happened, or your apartment? No, when whatever? I came, when I came, when I came up, like uh, they offered me over the phone. Probably about the, it was different then because I was offered the middle of my senior year over the phone. Yeah, I thought they'd come to your house and no, kibitz with then. you, and like, you have like, to put out a cheese plate or whatever. It was different time then. They uh, they offered me over the phone. Um, I immediately said that I would I would commit because Carolina was the only place that I wanted to go to. The thing that he asked was that I would keep it 
secret and quiet because they were recruiting some other receivers and they didn't want it to be a situation where because I committed that maybe some others didn't go. And so I kept I kept it a secret. He said we we were solid no matter what happened if I got hurt or anything like that. He would honor the scholarship. So we were good to go. All right, not as exciting. I mean, that's good for you. That was I mean, nice visit, over the phone, I mean, but visit, I wanted to hear some story well, about some big-time coach rolling in and nah, everybody like had that, to get nah. dressed up or something. No, we got dressed up. You get dressed up when you go on the visit. So we went on the visit, and I can't remember who we played. I think Carolina may have played Iowa the weekend that I took my recruiting visit when B.J. Armstrong and Roy Marble, Ed Horton were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, took the visit. You're talking about my air. I went and watched yeah, those guys took, play took at Assembly visit. Hall at, Indi- at sat, Indiana. Yeah, we sat there in the Dean Dome, watched the game, uh, hung out afterwards, went to a couple of parties on campus, and the rest was history. It it does seem like uh, that's a, one of the most idyllic places to go for four years of your life, you know? No, it's pretty nice. Chapel Hill. No, it's pretty nice. I, I, I need my athletic teams to get back on track because when I was there, the women's soccer team was good. The basketball team was good. Football, we were turning the corner. Women's basketball won a national title when I was there. Uh, track and field, we did really, really well. So I'm used to our athletic teams kind of dominating right now. We're, we're a little off the mark. All right, let's dig into it. Yeah, you know, by the way, though, I thought Roy Williams running the the uh, scoring off of the four corners, four corners as a tribute to uh, to Coach Smith was pretty cool stuff there. But all right, let's talk pro football. That's our job, and uh, and you were just in Indianapolis, only about uh, you know fifty minute drive north of uh, of the uh, talk about an idyllic place to go to college, Bloomington, Indiana. You ever been there, Buck? I have not. Oh, I, it's I glorious. But I heard Purdue Boiler Up was supposed to be the place. Are like, you crazy? I thought I thought, I thought Purdue. You, was like I, if you're not trying to to, to get I my thought, goat, no Purdue. No, I thought Purdue was like the deal. I thought oh, uh, West Lafayette, Gene, Katie, and, and playing hard nose. I will say this about Pat Purdue. Painter. No, the only thing good about Purdue is that their basketball arena is pretty cool. But otherwise, West Lafayette versus Bloomington, it's not a comparison at all. I thought, I thought their football team was better and all that other stuff, right? Well, their football team is occasionally better. But, I mean, listen, come on. I mean, there's not a comparison in hoops, first of all. <laughs> I'm talking about, listen, I mean, first of all, Buck, you're a man. Listen, the co-eds, I mean, they can't be beat in Bloomington. You know? I've, never, I've never been there. I don't know anything about I'm All right, you'll go. You and I will go sometime, and I'll show you my Bloomington, Indiana. Now let's talk about it. What jumped out at you over the last week, Indianapolis? Did you learn what was the, what was a, a major lesson about an individual, about a position that you did not in advance know? Because and I and I ask you this for this reason. To me, I don't mean to be a vapid cynic about it, but the combine to me is really about validating what you already knew. Largely. You've been watching these guys on tape now for two, three, four years. The only thing that can happen is really be surprised by something, and did that happen for you? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to keep the combine in perspective. Uh, in essence, it's a track meet. Uh, it's different now than it had been in the past because now everyone prepares. And so everyone prepares for the combine. Everyone trains mm. specifically to defeat those drills. And anyone who is in the industry, particularly if you're a guy that's a fan of fitness – and, and speed and agility training, you can be trained to really master those drills. And what you're seeing with the phenomenal times and those things, they're manufactured athletic measurements. People are testing on the three cone. They're testing on the 40 and all the other stuff. So that's why we're seeing these great marks. And so the, the challenge for evaluators is to trust what they see on the tape 
versus what they see on the turf. And the farther you get away from when football was played in the fall, in the beginning of January, the more likely you are to make mistakes based off what you see in shorts, what you see in private workouts, what you see uh, at pro days, because it's kind of an illusion. You see a guy running around, looking good, making plays. You have a tendency to overlook all of the work that you did in the film, and that's where the mistakes are made. That is fascinating, what you just said. And, I mean, really, my inclination then would be is to, if I were an NFL team, I would say, all right, a couple of our personnel guys, I don't want you to look at the combine at all because it's just going to get in your brain and maybe... Some people do that. Some people don't have all their scouts come to the combine. That makes sense, really. You want somebody who isn't going to be influenced by this hokum that really isn't applicable directly to pro football. I would tell all evaluators, put your pins down prior to the combine. Whatever notes that you have on a player, whatever you feel about the film work and those things, file the grade, put it in because the most accurate grade will be the one that you base mm-hmm. off the fall. All the other stuff just kind of clouds your mind and you begin to buy into the potential and what someone can become rather than what they are. At the end of the day, most players are what they are. They're what they've shown during college. They don't typically change much. Every now and then you find a guy that gets into a system that better suits his skill set. But typically, the guys that play well in college continue to play well in the pros. I, you know, that's exactly – it seems to me like, yeah, what you look for maybe, the the virtue of the combine might be, wow, that guy from a small school, have, wow, he's out. much faster than we realized. So, all right, we can take a flyer on him in round five or six. But otherwise, to predicate decisions on Jameis Winston versus Marcus Mariota at this point off of how how the one guy spins the ball versus the other is uh, every year, silly. We'll, we see it every year. We'll continue to see it. Like, there's a lot of buzz and fascination about the kid that jumped really far, Byron Jones. All right. Oh, so Byron Jones, yeah. That's right. Jump 12-3, vertical 44-45, mm-hmm. and now you see so much conversation about him. But the scary thing about that, because he didn't even run his 40, the scary thing about that is we're basing a lot of the surge and momentum that he has solely off of an athletic endeavor. If he doesn't play – explosive or show that same kind of athleticism on the field, then you can't make him something that he's not. That's where the mistakes are made. Stick to getting good football players, guys who play well in their pads. You can never go wrong. Well, that I agree with. However, on the other hand, if they would do a combine for life skills, I would really do well in that, and I'd be in the NFL very quickly if some of them were, if it included connect four ability because I'm really good at connect four I'm the uh, in fact I'm the best I've ever known at the game although I retired some years ago if you know Rajon Rondo is supposed to be a man I've heard I've heard people tweet me all the time about it you know what I I retired like I say I don't play competitive four anymore I'll play recreationally (laughs) but I so I would be willing I'd be open to that conversation but beyond that please and also I hear that Kanye West is a is a big uh, I've never heard that final four uh, connect four player the other thing I do really well, Buck, what's on your life resume? My uh, my life resume also includes uh, I, I'm the best orderer of food at restaurants I've ever met. Oh, I've so never known anybody who can order food. So, so you're a foodie? You're, you're really no, I just I, – I got well, I wouldn't call myself – I do I, – food is a passion of mine. Eating food is a passion of mine. But ordering it at a restaurant, boy, I'm lights out. I never go wrong. I never go wrong. By the end of the dinner, everybody always is saying at the table, boy, I wish I would have gotten what Chet got, you know? I uh, I am a gamer, and I am a very, very competitive 
guy at those, like Dave and Buster's. Oh, really? Chuck E. Cheese. Anything where you have games and you can win tickets, I'm all about <laughs> doing it. And my game of choice, if it's not Papa Shot, I am a master of there's this game, like this football shot game, and that, like a football toss game. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. They have it, and they have it up there. And if you throw at the, sor- the hole at the top, it's different size circles, right? Absolutely. That's my game. My, my, my whole goal and intent is to flip the machine. Why don't we just make – why don't we kill two birds with one stone and make the combine at a Dave & Buster's going forward? Because well, I mean, then we'd have a nicer time. You know, air hockey, win something for it. Air hockey, pop a shot, do that, a little foosball, throw that in there. I'm, I'm in for this. I also have uh, advanced the idea of maybe let's just – instead of all these, in, uh, these different drills all over the place at the combine, one giant obstacle course. 90 seconds, show the world what you have, and then you go home. You don't have to spend three, four days in Indianapolis. It's a lot. It's a lot. You know, for the the prospects, it's a lot to deal with uh, guys waking up, being in different time zones, the medical, the interviews up all night, uh, and then you have to go and test, and everyone expects you to perform at a level. The NFL knows what they're doing. They made it difficult by choice. They want to see how people respond to a little adversity. Um, well, yeah, like I say, uh, you're, I really do legitimately, that's pretty interesting and it makes perfect sense here in the 21st century. You know, I've been to athletes performance, the, uh, the facility that trains guys to yep. do well at the combine. I guess that would, it's basically tricking the system. You're not really go away. You, it, it almost should be like the week after college football season ends. That's when the combine is. Let's see what you really have. Not after you do uh two, three I mean, months worth a, of that would be a very, that'd be a, pr- a true, assessment when I worked for the Carolina Panthers uh in the spring when the veterans would come back we would take them outside and we would put them through a battery of drills and one of those was the 40-yard dash Hmm. and so John Fox was a big believer in knowing exactly where people stood where they were and it's just one of those things in terms of testing now what you're getting is an imperfect system because if you give me six weeks to go to a trainer to work on just defeating the combine I absolutely could go and do it and make sure that I perform at an exceptional level just because I am now working specifically for the drills that I'm going to be asked to do at the combine. It wasn't always like that. And and one more thing on the, on the nature of the combine. We talked about it earlier in the week. Why don't they at least have to wear their football pads? Shouldn't that be a part of the thing? Let's say, I don't care what you can do when you're in your underpants. Let me see what you do when you got the helmet and the shoulder pads and all that uh, cumbersome stuff all over you. Well, that's what we do when, you, when you're evaluating players and you're looking at a guy's speed and explosiveness on tape. We always call it playing speed because people, some people play differently with their pads on than with them off. And sure. even though the pads are lighter, like there's something to be said for game speed. And you can't always um, quantify that by looking at a guy at the combine because some guys are testers, other guys are players. Uh, the teams that consistently knock at it. Buck. You're a player? I'm a player. That's okay. I, I'm not I mean, that's it. Like, that's what you want. That's not for me. I'm a player. The teams that consistently win on draft day are the ones that go after players. They avoid the guys that are the workout warriors of the world. Let's dig into it specifically. The big question everybody has, I can see from Bucky Brooks' latest uh, mock draft. Again, I will tell you, NFL.com. Look for it. Uh, it is his. It is uh, 2.0 for him. Daniel Jeremiah has his up there. Other people are weighing in here. It's the season for these. I like, of uh, course, like any other football fan, I'd go immediately to where my <laughs> team is and see who you have uh, have uh, drafted. Okay, qu- question about that. Yes. Do you even read the explanation or you just look at the name? 
Absolutely, I read the explanation. Oh, you do? Yeah, of course. Well, I don't think most people read the explanation. <laughs> well, I think, people just I think, are looking for a reason to just, get upset or excited. I think people just look at the name and they just go on. Because the way you get fired off on on Twitter when you put out a mock draft is unbelievable how people are. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's fantasy. Like, if I have to do eight different versions of a mock draft, do you think I'm going to produce the same one every time? Like, it's, it's food, food for thought. It's fodder. It's here's what could happen. But who really, really knows? It's a mock draft. Like well, you know this much. There's fascinations. This I've been saying this, Buck. I, I, I keep patting myself on my back uh, on the back for this one. Uh, October, so a year and a half ago. <laughs> you, I don't remember. Can I be honest? I won't jive you. I don't remember what side of this thing you were on. But I said to you and Jeremiah and Casserly and everybody else, Jadavian Clowney's going number one. Stop this hokum that, well, he's, I don't know if he has the will to play if he's taking it easy at, at South Carolina. He's like, listen, he just watched Marcus Lattimore ruin his knee. He doesn't want the same thing to happen to him. Ironically, yeah. now he's having his own health issues. <laughs> I said he'll go number one, and so he did. And I've been saying this since October this year. Jameis Winston is going to be the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Forget everything. I Now, listen, if something horrible happened, if he did something really terrible between now and the draft, that would change it. But but otherwise, Jameis Winston is clearly the best. Is there any reason to think there's any chance Tampa or anyone else who, I mean, I don't see Tampa trading the pick. Of course, you'll hear the rumors that they're looking into that or they're hearing offers. Is there any chance that Winston isn't the number one pick here? Uh, I can't. I mean, I can see a scenario maybe where they take Marcus if if there's just a love affair with him and how he performs at the private workouts and how he performs on the board. But I just think all signs point to Jameis Winston being the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A, the close proximity between Florida State and Tampa, understanding they can get all the background info. They're very, very close to the story and all the allegations and innuendo that has come out during his time at Florida State. Also, he's an easy sell to their fan base, being in Florida, leading Florida State to a national championship. There's some name recognition, some brand recognition that you can bring in. And then when you look at the offensive coordinator that they hired, Dirk Cutter has always traditionally worked with a pocket passer. Um, he puts a lot on his quarterbacks. He asked them to be very high football IQ guys who can handle a lot of the line of scrimmage. Jameis Winston is that. And so when you connect the dots, I just think it makes sense that Jameis Winston is going to be the first guy to come off the board. This is uh, We talk about what the season is right now. This is another thing people like to do. Who is his pro comparison? Who does Jameis remind you of? Your guy. He I knew me, it. I knew you'd say that. That's the one I've been going with. He reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. And the reason I say Ben Roethlisberger, he's a big, big-body kid, strong in the pocket. When you see him at Florida State, he routinely shakes off defenders and tacklers in the pocket. He has a strong arm. He plays the game in a fashion that reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger because he's gritty. He's tough. He has this level of resiliency that allows him to bounce back from poor throws, poor halves, poor quarters, and get back on track when the game is on the line. Ben Roethlisberger is very, very similar in that aspect. He can have a terrible first quarter, but when the game is on the line and you hand it to Ben, Ben more times than not, finds a way to get it done. Jameis has a long and distinguished track record of getting it done in the clutch. And because of that, those are the things that lead me to believe that he'll be a franchise quarterback, and it's easy to sell him in the room. Don't you love his uh, charisma? I mean, listen, I'm not being glib about the serious stuff against him, 
But did you see him on camera? He seems he really does seem like he's got a sense of humor. He's he, I love the stuff at the combine talking to the other guys out there about like, you know, time for winners and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's what he is. I you know, like part of what you do as a scout, you're always observing body language, behavior, you're trying to see how the team responds. Having watched Jameis up close live a couple of times. I was at the Florida Florida State game. I was at the semifinal watching how his teammates respond to him. He is the Pod Piper of the team. Watching him in the group at the combine, everyone gravitated to him. He's a natural leader. He has this charismatic way about him that people just want to follow him, and they believe that he's going to find a way to get it done. When I was in Green Bay and we had Brett Favre, there was a feel on that team that no matter what the circumstances were, if we were able to get the ball back to Brett Favre, he would find a way to get it done. That's the feeling that you want when you have a quarterback and when you pick a quarterback. Uh, for you, if you're watching a Pittsburgh game, no matter how far away it gets, there should be a sense of if we can just get the ball back to Ben, he'll lead us back. That should be the sense that you Oh, I'm such a pessimist about my own teams, and I always have been. But you know what's funny about that? Super Bowl 43, Larry Fitzgerald scores the touchdown. There, are there you know, There's only a, a couple minute, minutes minute. left. Yep. I I don't know what ha- I just a, a sense of calm came over me and I and I just knew seven is going to do this seven's going to take them down the field and they're going to win this game and uh, and sure enough he did Marcus Mariota last you and I kibitzed about him you still had some concerns and I continue to I just do you see I mean it's all for me it's the eyeball test I'm not looking at the 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 numbers that they put up at the combine the naked eye tells me that his ball dies in the air about twenty yards downfield. Uh, I won't. I won't say that. I think he has plenty of arm strength. I think he has enough. Plenty arm of arm strength. I think he has enough arm strength to play in the pros. I think he can make the throws that you need him to make. Um, I think his footwork, his 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 quickness from under center. I thought he did a good job at the combine. I think he has the ability physically to play the game at a high level. I think there would be a bit of a transition coming from the system that he played in at Oregon to becoming a guy that plays in a more traditional offense as a pro. I kind of related it to Alex Smith. Alex Smith, when he was the number one overall pick for San Francisco. That is a good comparison at Utah, in a lot of ways. Body at, type, arm everything. strength. At yeah. Utah, he played in a spread system under Urban Meyer. Goes to San Francisco. Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator. A traditional West Coast offense. Took him a while to kind of understand and to process it. Went through a number of offensive coordinators. And it wasn't until Jim Harbaugh and that crew, Greg Roman, Jeep Chris, they come in. They found a way to really tailor the offense to his skills and he flourished and thrived. I think Marcus Mariota is very much like Alex Smith in a lot of different ways, and I think in the right offense with the right people that kind of build it around what he does, he can have a lot of success. Do you? Well, all right, but that's that comes with that's a, a sizable asterisk that you're throwing out there. Uh, not sizable. I, th- I think most players are like that. You have to tailor to what they do. The reason I bring up the Alex Smith thing is because not only physically in the way they play, but their demeanor. Uh, Alex Smith is not a very demonstrative leader. He's not a guy that kind of stands up in the room and, and uh, the, 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 the fire and brimstone type stuff. Marcus Mariota is a player, and the reason guys follow him is because he makes plays. He is what we would call a leader-by-example type. That is fine. It's a harder sell. It's a harder sell in, in, in room sometimes that he's, he's, he's not vocal. But if he's a player and he makes plays, guys will jump on board. It's very similar to what Eli Manning had to do to get the Giants on board. 
Marcus has to do the same thing. So it's very important that he goes to the right environment. Yeah, that's what. Well, that's right. what I'm. But so the speculation is the Jets. Is that the right situation? Todd I, Bowles and Chan Gailey. Well, I, I think the city of New York would be tough for Marcus just because the media, the constant attention. He looks like someone who's a little more. Uh, reluctant to be in the spotlight. Don't you feel like you could hurt his feelings? I mean, uh, legitimately, I mean, I, he just seems like I mean, the sort of I guy. Mean, maybe. I just think that he doesn't really like to have a lot of attention thrown on him. Yeah, right. However, I would say it's a good situation in this capacity. Chan Gailey is really good with athletic quarterbacks. If you look at his history, what he's done. He's Did wonders very, very, with Cord- when Cordell Stewart was absolutely. good for the Steelers. Chan Gailey was the OC there. Very good with him. He also has been very innovative when he was at Kansas City as the offensive coordinator. He introduced a pistol to the National Football League with Tyler Thigpen. Hmm. So he is adaptable. He's flexible. He has some innovative and creative ways about him. If Marcus landed in that situation, outside of the, the, the market and the, the news media, I think football-wise, it'd be a really good fit because I think Chan Gailey would put him in a situation where he could succeed. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil everything. I want people to go and look at uh, your mock draft, but you do have Mariota going to the Jets there. Who of these guys? Uh, this is my favorite thing because it upsets people like you for me to put you on the spot like this. Who? Which of these guys is going to the Hall of Fame? The guy. All of them. Anybody out there in the draft? Is anybody that you best see player. like that guy? The best player, the best player in the draft is Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams oh. is a special player from SC. Uh, he's only 20 years old, but you're talking about a man-child, freakish athleticism, uh, his versatility. Uh, he can play anywhere along the line. He can play in a 3-4 or 4-3 scheme. He has great hands, violent at the point of attack. And what's crazy about Leonard Williams, when I talk to the other scouts that watch him, they say, like, imagine how good he's going to be when he really figures out how to play. Hmm. He's playing on raw instincts and athleticism and physical ability when he puts it together and becomes a technical marvel or maven he is going to be a guy that dominates the league on the inside yeah it's an interesting thing we we joke about the titans sort of falling into this place of irrelevance because of uh, where they're located sec country acc country all that um so you would think they might want to make a splash for the qb but boy i just think Mariota would be a tremendous mistake for them at that at that point. Jameis Winston would be a better fit yeah. Tennessee just because Ken Wisenhunt traditionally deals with pocket passes. I know he's had success with Ben Roethlisberger, who worked off script a little bit. But remember, when Ken Wisenhunt was there, they were a grinded out, a pounded sure. team. They had Roethlisberger on a pitch count. I can't see Wisenhunt going for a very athletic quarterback. I don't think he is uh, adaptable or versatile enough to kind of scrap what he does and what he's done traditionally throughout his time in the National Football League to implement some of the zone read and spread stuff that Marcus Mariota has thrived in, I just don't think it would be a good fit. I think he would be better served to go to a team like the Jets, who have an offensive coordinator who's done it, obviously Philadelphia, who has done it, even, do you anticipate them trying to do something? Maybe. I think I think if he gets close enough, I think. Well, I mean, it up. comes. It doesn't come down to this that Chip Kelly wants him or not, because obviously they have to to work it out. But do you think Chip Kelly, just in his own brain, whether or not they can pull it off personnel wise and make the proper transaction to to make it work for the other side, do you think Chip Kelly is thinking, boy, if I could get Mariota, well, yeah, we'd really because... we'd, that he's he's the best I could possibly get right now outside of like Cam Newton. Yeah, run because, my system. Absolutely, because he knows the system. He's very familiar. He also understands Mariota's limitations. He could build an offense around him. And also, he would give them 
the running dynamic at the quarterback position. For as productive as the Eagles' offense has been, they've been doing it with guys that can't really threaten the defense as two-way players. If Marcus Mariota is in the system, his ability to run and throw adds a dynamic to the read option that we haven't seen in Philadelphia. I think he would be excited. The other team that I would say would be very, very good for him, the Kansas City Chiefs. When you look mm. at what Andy Reid has done with quarterbacks traditionally throughout his time, he's kind of a quarterback whisperer. Every quarterback has succeeded with him. A.J. Feely, Coy Detmer, uh, it goes on and on. Jeff Garcia, on and on and on. It's I crazy. think he would take the skills that Marcus Mariota has and find a way to maximize them in Kansas City if he had the opportunity to get them. Yeah, they better get themselves a wide receiver, though, huh? You have Devontae Parker going there out of Louisville. Yeah, I mean, I think Devontae Parker would be a good fit. A guy named Dorio Green Beckham coming from Missouri would be someone that would be interesting. He has also done a great job of developing receivers, young receivers on the outside, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, even taking a Riley Cooper and making them productive. Andy Reid needs someone on the outside that can be a true number one receiver. They have to find that and address that. It's amazing that they've gone that they've done what they've done in the last two years with the uh, with the gaggle of pass catchers that they have, the emergence of Travis Kelsey notwithstanding. One last question for you here, Buck. You're always generous with your time. I don't want to hold you up anymore. Is um, it certainly appears as though the buzz and the need. Um, for running backs among a handful of, of legitimate NFL teams in 2015 is going to break this uh, this thing of no first-round running back. Is uh, do, do you expect that two might go? Do you think uh, might it be more than I that? Mean, I, think, I think we could see two go. I think Melvin Gordon and Ty Gurley could be the first two running backs to come off the board. Part of the reason we'll see running backs go in the first round, their talent warrants that. I can't say that the talent in previous drafts, the last two drafts where we've been shut out, I don't know if there was a guy in there that merited a first-round pick based on what their college production told us or suggested that they would be. Now you could go back. Twenty-six has now told you otherwise. Though, so well, I mean, no, put on a black and gold unit. No, but I was absolutely a Levy and Bill fan. I, I know you were. Best, I remember you telling me. I that. thought he was the best running back in the class, yep. and I think he's been a guy that, as a big back that can run, but also give you something in the pass game. That's what you're looking for. That's what I believe Melvin Gordon and Ty Gurley can give you. They're big backs that can do all the dirty work inside and outside, but also have the ability to contribute. In well, real quick, philosophically then, to me, <clears throat> you see the advantage that is inherently gained by playing a QB like Kaepernick, Wilson, Luck, Tannehill, and so on because they're in their rookie contracts. And so that allows you to spend money elsewhere Shouldn't that, though, I mean, as these guys now mature and Russell Wilson will soon have the big uh, contract that all the uh, the high-end QBs have and Kaepernick already has and so on, isn't that the angle to play with the running backs now? Why would the, If you're the Seahawks, I know Marshawn Lynch is a – I could see him driving a wedge between players and the coaches to some degree. I could see because you know the players want him in the locker room. They want him on the field. But practically, to pay him $10, $12 million is going to corrupt the overall roster. And they're so hip on Kristen Michael. I don't know if that's smokescreen. But if they got Todd Gurley, with, I mean, that's not a drop-off. And, you, and the money you save is is quite significant. Ideally, the way that you would like to approach the running back position is draft one early, ride him until the wheels fall off. Right. And then when he reaches the last year of his deal, draft another one. High. Um, if you look at putting a guy on a five-year contract, every four years you need to go back and find a running back because typically guys don't continue to perform once they get that second contract. 
It's just the nature of the position. There's some special guys in the league. Jamal Charles, Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch is one. But the majority of guys, you want young players. You want to give them a heavy workload those first four years, then find a way to move on. I know. It's a cruel business, but that is really the the, the specific position. I mean, in the 21st century. But when I talk about ride them to the wheels fall off, I'm not really a huge – platoon system i would like to find a big back you. that's a feature back i want him to get 300 to 315 carries be a factor in the passing game and then when he is reaching that last year to deal i want to find an apprentice that i can use to spell him that last year but eventually have that guy take over we did it in carolina stephen davis and deshaun foster deshaun foster got to the end of that deal, we brought in D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams comes in, becomes the guy. Then you have Jonathan Stewart. Then the wheels came off throwing all this money around that uh, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo, and that's where they got themselves behind gotta, the eight gotta ball. Got a little sideways, but, that, but that's what happens. Like yeah. The running back is still very, very important. Devalued on draft day, but not diminished in importance. Is Kevin White or Amari Cooper good enough to make the Raiders a legitimate offense in 2015? Well, I think they make them legitimate because they give them a number one receiver. There's a lot of fascination. When I talk to scouts around the league, general managers, they love Kevin White. I'm still a little more conservative on my projection of Kevin White. I believe Amari Cooper is everything that you want in the position. He's a true number one receiver. He's polished. Anyone who watched the combine saw how effortlessly he caught the ball and drills. This is a guy that is a plug-and-play, ready to ma- – I mean, he is ready to be a superstar at the next level. Kevin White is going to be good. Reminds me of Larry Fitzgerald. Ran faster than I expected, but big body, dominates on the outside. I think this class could be just as good as the last class of wide receivers in terms of their impact and production. Wow. That's uh, saying quite a thing for anybody who paid attention last season to what the receivers did. All right, Buck, you go. You go. You the the you have to get working on uh, mock draft 3.0 now. Um, hey, but real quick, I hear you spend some time with the around the NFL guys. I am. What's up with that? I am. What's yeah, up? I'm what moving, goes I'm up? What? I mean, I'm trying. But why? But I'm, why I'm is try, it? I'm trying to find a home. I'm trying to find a home, Shaq. I thought like, this was got, a home for you. I mean, I don't know. I have to be a regular. Have to be regular on there. I have a lot of information that I like to dispense to the masses. Yeah, I agree. I need a home, so I'm looking for a home right now. The around the league guys have taken me in. They give me an opportunity. You think they'll give you a home? Yeah, they give me an opportunity to come in and drop some knowledge Fuck. and some nuggets. They oh, kick well, you out the door. Doing. They use you for whatever they want to use you for, and then they show you the job. Baylor running back. I'm like the Baylor running back. I'm sleeping under the bridge. I'm I'm just looking for a place. I'm looking for a place to call. Trying to get you one of these teams. You're the one. Like we're all going after. Black tie. Shame on you, sir. Every show is going after Buck, and he's like he's weighing his options right now. He's actually on right now. All right. You know what? If we're gonna treat this like free agency, is this is the right time of the year to be doing it? And I feel quite sure that we will win. Yeah. I'm just. We have to book. Make a decision, Buck. You know we have we have the guy with the uh, lovely English uh, accent. He'll he'll make you swoon. Oh, handsome Hank. Yeah, we'll just bring handsome, and he'll he'll wine and dine you. <laughs> forget all about hands. It's like it's like the recruiting trips all over again. You That's talk right. About you open the show talking about recruiting trips. I need to be recruited. What room do you want to walk into? Ball. Me and handsome no. Hank with that with that uh, sweet accent, or do you want to walk in on Hanzus and Wesley? <laughs> hey, come hey, on in I'm here, throwing, Bucky. I'm, I'm throwing. I lived on an island. I'm throwing Milva sticks in that ring too. I mean, yeah, it's another scout. Like, hey, 
That's you know? one-two no one, punch. That, that redundancy. We're, no one's interested in that. <laughs> Bucky needs to be a star. He doesn't need to be. He doesn't. He's not a co-pilot for Daniel <laughs> Jeremiah. Bucky's his own star. We'll make. We'll let that star shine bright. You understand, Buck? I hear that. I hear that. And then we'll go out and we'll order food. And I'll show you how well I can That's order right. food off of, off of a menu. Your foodie. There he goes. The great Bucky Brooks. Make sure you check out NFL.com. Bucky Brooks mock draft 2.0. And we'll talk about the Steelers next time. We'll see what happens with uh, if I agree with this uh, this pick you have there for him. Damoshek, Damoshek, David, David, Damoshek. All right. Well, listen. A wonderful time with Buck. Prior to that, a wonderful time with Handsome Hank. We got to get everybody together and figure this whole eating animals and if we want animals living with us in our I'm more in intrigued our by the uh, Bucky free agency. I liked it. I thought Bucky's. I thought what was fascinating. The the. I mean, I uh, of course is an Al, Leonard Williams is the best player available in the draft. Is a no. I mean, like is a great thought, but I shows. Oh oh oh. Yeah, I, but I also like. But Buck's take on how guys out there makes perfect sense have figured out that they can trick the system and just win the combine without actually being good at football, and how personnel guys have to watch for that. I wonder if that's going to injure the the relevance of uh, of the combine going forward. Either way, I'm with you. Yes, we must win him in free agency. I, you understand, Black Tie? I'm, I'm with you're you. a double I'm agent. Also, you don't. You want I'm him also, to be on around the NFL? I'm also with, you know, you know. Those schnooks crew. have four or five DJ guys on their show, stay, but they have. I want to stay out of it. You know. Those schnooks have four or five people in here at any given time. I, I'm with you. Like, you definitely make a compelling case. I'm a man on an island. What help do I have? You behind the glass? Half paying attention? Half watching soccer? Half. I'm pretending like you're paying attention. Half of your brain power is going to paying attention to this. Seven, uh, so 50% is just going to thinking about soccer. 50% of Black Tie's brain is on soccer. 30 is on NBA basketball. 18 is on his Facebook posts. I don't know. I mean, it leaves this about dated, this dated view of me. Leaves who's, leaves who's, one or two leaves on one or two percent catalog. focus on this show, and I'm supposed to trust you. <laughs> I'm just saying, I can give uh, some draft hot takes. All right, I'm bringing. I'm gonna find out. Do some intel for me. Find out what Bucky's favorite kind of cookie is. Ah, oh, nice you're playing dirty. That's how I win. Find out his Recruiting. favorite kind of Girl Scout cookie. All right, that's it. We'll figure it out, and we'll be back. On the other side of the weekend to keep the ball rolling for you, and I suspect that we will have a new or a few new So-So Jamabo songs ready to go for you. We took it off today. CJ Spiller next week. Is that right? That is confirmed, yeah. See, that's how I roll, Shaq. Lock it in like like you were supposed to. CJ Spiller of the Bills, or is he headed to the Jets as the speculation goes, or, you know, he's certainly a home run hitter. It'll be fun to kibitz with him. Our guy David Singer confirmed him. Is that right? We talked to Spiller two years or so ago and enjoyed him uh, quite a bit, so it'll be fun to catch up with him. All right, so listen, like I say, we'll be back on the other side of the weekend. Enjoy it. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.